Hello, and welcome back everyone to another awesome episode of the podcast. My name is Christian, and I am your host. And today, I'm joined by George. We talk about his journey joining the Navy and how different it was during the pandemic. We also talk about how throughout his life he recognized he experienced a lack of self-compassion and how he lives his life trying to embody that for other people. I had such a wonderful time with this conversation, and I hope you do too. Let's get into it. Remember to stay present and mindful of your surroundings. Take a deep breath in and tell yourself, you are here. Yeah, so you said you, you had seen the flyer up in the in your place yeah. where you work at. Yeah, I saw. Well, first I saw it randomly on Main Street in Alhambra. Uh, I'm a born and raised over here in Alhambra. I actually went to Alhambra High, uh, class 2015. Okay, and, right on. Yeah, no, nothing exciting. Then I pff, escaped for a little bit, which is fun. Uh, just some breathing. Yeah, well, I, yeah, even as great as Los Angeles is, you would need some kind of breathing room for the environment. And me, I wouldn't say I would need breathing room, but I was just desperate to kind of at least set myself in a, a decent enough position with, you know, being stable career-wise, or at least have an idea of what I want to do with myself. Yeah. And that, I felt like it was better to kind of get away from the hometown, at least trying to get my own bearings and my own being individual for once, considering I've been surrounded by nothing but resources in the city for so long, you know? Yeah. Where did that end up taking you? I enlisted in the Navy right out of high school for five and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was, I was suckling in the teeth of uncle Sam for a good while. And even during COVID, funnily enough, I was, (laughs) I got stationed in Spain. It was my first and last duty station was overseas. And I got stationed in a very small clinic. And I was technically a hospital because they had an OR upstairs in southern Spain for about almost five years. I was right 19 and immediately kind of tossed into new experiences, which I'm grateful for. But What was that like, uh, especially during covid um, you know, so, everybody knows about the civilian oh, yeah. perspective of things. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. I was, I was a dental system. I'll tell you right now. My, my profession consists of me making crowns, cleaning teeth, and doing all things dental wise. So we had to shut down our entire, we were the busiest part of the hospital too. We saw dependents and active duty. And we would still see, uh, random, I think, uh, uh, national contractors or some people like that. So when we had to shut down, we all had to learn from the ground up how to do swabs, what kind of mop gear to take care of. And it was in the summertime, so it was not any fun either. Just having to sub the entire tent outside and people constantly just approaching with hesitation. Do I have a cold or am I dying? <laughs> and immediately. And then you, we, I remember one time we had a kid come over and it was her and her mom, not the, just the kid by herself. It was like, like a five year old thing. Oh my God, I have a runny nose. Keep me from school. No, but she was over there. She's sobbing, crying. And we came over with a cotton swab. Just walked over. And she was so terrified. Mom says, well, you know what? I, I'm done with, let's just risk it, which is a shame considering the amount of effort, but it's just such a headache with the managing of everything and people having to want to maneuver 
their normal lives with this insane speed bump that was just placed in front of them. Yeah. And then, then you also have to deal with like the, the entitled officers too. We had some douchebag who asked, Hey, you know, do you mind if I get tested for COVID on this date and time? Uh, just not now because I have a meeting like 20 minutes. And we're thinking that we, we told him point blank, do you know what an internet, how much of an emergency it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I, I had my CEO come out to talk to him. Listen, get back in here right now. You're not leaving. You're not meeting any meeting until you, we are sure that you're not sick. Bottom line. It was so, there was so many hoops and things to learn, which I'm grateful for. So yeah, we should get some. Yeah. I will not, I'm not great. I, because I was a dental assistant in the Navy, I was not taken seriously at all, which for obvious reasons, I never took myself seriously either for good uh-huh. reason. No, no. And why is, why like, is that? Only because, well, even though you're a dental assistant, you're a corpsman first. So you're a medic. That is your main priority. That is uh-huh. what you're supposed to be presenting or first, you know, how every Marine is a marathon, every core, every, Medic is going to be a core in the Navy and their, their main prior focus should be, uh, emergency medicine, how to keep someone alive, et cetera. They, they hound that into you in school, but then when you get to your actual job, they say, all right, supply, you work in the mail cage, you do dentistry, and that's going to be your life for X number of years until we decide otherwise. And then we'll huh. yell at you later on for not maintaining those skills that we hounded you in the <laughs> beginning seven years ago. What happened? How do you not know how to treat a Trump in just uh, an internal brain injury? What, 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 uh, you know, what, how could you? Yeah. Why do we it have slips. you here? <laughs> exactly. Wow. Honestly, which I found hilarious. And anytime I would get chewed out for that, I would just, you, you could just sit there, nod your head, apologize and just agree how much of a piece of crap you are and just wait for them to just calm themselves down and all that stuff. It was character building and everything but it taught me patience with assholes which is nice <laughs> uh, that that's a hoop in itself that you had to jump through in order to attain that skill i mean i'm glad i mean i i learned on hard mode so at the very least i have i'm not saying i'm an insane amount of patience i'm saying i'm enough to deal with people who might be more difficult and for longer periods of time i guess yeah so you're going you were dealing with that situation during covid um, i was that was the last year. That was actually my last year before I separated. So that was my send off. I separated from the military during COVID. Was, would that be like the deciding factor or was it a lot of other things? No. So uh, there's a number of different things. So I had originally, I was 14 years old. Uh, and I decided I wanted to enlist as a mass communication specialist, as radio, photography, photo- photography, journalism, all that stuff. And. And funnily enough, my dad had actually almost joined the Navy because he volunteered with my grandfather on the West Coast and Armed Forces Radio. So my grandpa was an aviation mechanic for the Navy. And in, in my dad's spare time, he would just hang out with him and volunteer at the station. Uh, he had become such a well-established part of it that they were really trying to, you know, sell him on the idea of enlisting and in, in a way that's, they tried to, they even got a, like a letter from the CEO of the schoolhouse in Maryland saying, you know, you seem really enthusiastic. We'd love to have you. Everyone really likes you. Unfortunately, he got cold feet at the last second and oh, okay. did not, did not end up falling through. So we, 
he would always speak so warmly about these memories, about how how passionate he was and how 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 excited he was just to be in in that in that field for a little bit. You know, military association or not, is just working in with the, as a disc jockey was something he was so enthusiastic about. And whenever he did, whenever we did get in conversation, they, oh, the the light up in his eyes, it was just it was contagious. So yeah. I had committed myself to that path. So we got 14 years old. I walked to the recruiter's office and signed off on everything for the most part up until, you know, to the point I did everything short of actually signing off the proper table saying, Hey, we, you know, we own you pretty much. <laughs> uh, now the entire time yeah. I got a high score in my ASVAB and everything. I was so motivated, but when I got to the, the processing station maps, that's what they call it. They didn't, I didn't see that they had mass communication specialists available at the time. And they're on mm-hmm. my shoulders. I'm just by myself with my recruiter. And that's it. Just kind of hounding me like, oh, out of convenience for us, you might want to choose something. They didn't, they didn't say that in so many words, but they were really kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm like 16. I'm nervous with these guys. Yeah. I don't know what to do. So he literally says, Hey, they got dental assistant Corman. You won't be in the mouth. I don't think. I just say, screw it. Why not? That sounds about right for me. Wow. So I click on that. It's set in stone that I'm going to be a medic dental student for my career when I enter. Now I learned later on in my career when I'm starting out that I could have said, I'm not going to sign any paperwork until you have the job I'm specifically working towards available. So I could have mm-hmm. waited like an entire year for it to open up, but I wouldn't have started off until I knew for a fact I was going to come in as how I wanted to be, you know, in the field I want to be working in. So and that, I, I wonder if that's, if that's like on their end of just like wanting it to be set in stone already, or if it was it just is. like. So yeah, no, with the issue of retention, with the issue, uh, of just having any kind of healthy chain of command or workplace environment in the military, there've been so many examples of just poor leadership, hmm. poor execution. Even in recent history, uh, in Virginia, Norfolk, there's a, an aircraft carrier that was dry docked. It was under construction. People were re- working ridiculous hours. People were sleeping in their cars in the parking lot just so they couldn't be late to work. And even mm-hmm. with all that going on, just the, the, the noise, the, the dirty walk, water, the unsafe work conditions, the lack of sleep. And it gotten so bad to the point where they had a, a handful of suicides in one month. Oh wow! It oh, had, wow. That's tragic. In in the span of one month, a lot of these guys were like under their mid twenties. Oh man! Some of those guys, they were really enthusiastic about the Navy. Yeah, they were really motivated. That's and, just being worked to beyond yeah. exhaustion. That's insane. You know what? You know what? The Master Chief of the Navy. Mick Pond, the head honcho, size senior enlisted member in the military. He went to that place. He approached them. He brought the entire command over. He said, some awkward speech that really kind of boiled down to him talking to the entire command saying, you know, you guys really need to lower your standards. To their faces. 
In 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 what regard lower their standards? Uh, working conditions, living conditions, and I guess what they should be expecting for their current work, their current situation. Wow. In with that's with the knowledge <laughs> of the suicides, of the lack of sleep, and the fact that I don't think they like in some parts they didn't have any clean water. That is, that, yeah, yeah. That's really hard to take in, especially, you especially. know, considering how like much of our funding goes you hear this you hear this kind of stuff at like everyday kind of jobs of just like you know like corporate talking down to their employees but like this is like you imagine at least there'd be some sort of structure or worlds it just carries yeah it just carries in through all walks of life it seems no it's yeah wherever there's people there will be problems that's the bottom line yeah. And especially when it comes to just established roles and hierarchy of things. And, and unfortunately, the military, with because of there's so many clear examples, you have so many people just choosing not to reenlist for good reason. Mm-hmm. And so many people being deterred from this because of how much bad press. Which, and yeah. What, what, what prevents, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing that prevents, um, <laughs> you know, normal people in the regular jobs from speaking up, but like, is there anything in particular that you feel prevents uh, people within your position to like speak up about, you know, what they're experiencing? Oh, well, veterans, veterans will crap on the military day and night. As long as they're there, they have their D214s. They will sing all the criticisms. And unfortunately for those who are in list, obviously you, they actively say you're not, you know, they not recommended that you have grievances about work on social media because it looks poorly <laughs> on the command. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah. have rough opinions. I had a buddy of mine, he got chewed out by his master chief at the hospital. Uh, cause he was just like, I'm tired of these fucking babies. I'm tired of these, these, these moms. It, it was, it was on his private Facebook page. He was literally just put one post. Just grieving about his, you know, his frustration, which I understand doesn't look great, but someone in his chain of command, I think it was someone he thought he could trust, someone he was, had a good working relationship with, screenshot it, showed it to his boss without even approaching him about it. Not even saying like, Hey, are you okay? And like, Hey, look, ha- look at this shit bag. You should yeah. tell him to unfuck himself. <laughs> so that's, that was the kind of environment. It's, it, you either had, Phenomenal people who are relentless for the support and who you are just wanting to maintain contact with, or you just leave the most jaded person you can possibly be. Yeah, yeah, which I've, is a shame. I, I've I've heard um I've heard stories expressing both sides of people being like extremely happy and proud of their time, and of people and people that have just <laughs> extreme it disdain is. for their experience and oh, yeah. <laughs> what they've had to go through. Oh, most definitely. No, it's, it's a shame. For me, it was kind of a mixed bag. I, I am grateful. I had a lot of good opportunities because for one, I, I was the first one in my family to live overseas for so long and get the, all these experiences and to just, I, I never thought my, I never, I was this close to getting stationed at home. I wanted to go home to San Diego, uh, just to, you know, at least not be super away. But I think it was, funnily enough, funnily enough, on the first day of school for dentistry, for dental assistant class, you know, training, 
they said they might have something to do with our orders. Usually you'd get it maybe an idea of when you get stationed somewhere like uh, towards the end of the course, which makes sense because they, you know, where your players will decide, you know, who gets to choose where they want to go first. Makes sense, right? Yeah. First day, they say, okay, boys and girls, guess what? They want us to tell you where you got to go right now. <laughs> so we have not taken a single test. Oh, we man. are literally all bright, bushy-tailed and morning. Okay, now we have to gamble. So in order to make things fair, what they did was they tossed a bunch of numbers into this really ominous-looking skull. They did that on purpose, those bastards. <laughs> They tossed a bunch of numbers into this ominous-looking skull, reached in and said, all right, if you choose one, you go first. Choose two, choose first, et cetera, et cetera. And me, I'm just 18, shy, just wanting to not be sent to, like, 29 Palms, California, or to, to Meridian, Mississippi, or Gulfport, Mississippi, or... Anyway, it's just going to cause me to be more jaded than I already am for working a field that I'm not exactly excited about. So I reach in. I'm, I'm, a towards, I'm one of the last people chosen to. I'm at the back of the class. I'm, I'm just, there's like a handful of papers left. I just go, screw it. I jam in there. I grab. I look it up. And I see number two. So I, I immediately just kind of look up and down and, and I, I lucked out and it was the second person to be choosing where he got to go. Wow. But, but it was not super exciting because I had my buddy, my great buddy, Dietz, great guy, small town in tight, yeah, in Iowa, absolute sweetheart. He took his sweet time choosing where he wanted to go. He spent like 15 <laughs> minutes going through the list. And because he took so much time, they looked at me. They said, all right, buddy was not exactly very quick. Give us a place right now. They had no patience for me. So the first thing that came out of my mouth, first thing that came out of my mouth was Europe. Have you got Italy? Said, we don't have Italy. We have Spain. Do you want Spain? I would like Spain. You're getting Spain. Thank you. Goodbye. And that's how it worked. <laughs> that's like how we decided. Every, every interaction is like a gamble or just like. You have no idea. How very true that is. It, it can be, it can be, it can make or break you depending. And yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a shame. Not always good. exhausting the, you know, the physical part, but it's the, the whole workplace environment is just a mess in so many different ways. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, the mental taxation of every interaction just sounds so exhausting of just, Hey, look, like you're going, you cannot expect anything. It seems like it. No, no, no. Expectations are a luxury. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, from there, do you get to finish your course? Or? Yeah, no, we no, 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 yeah, we get to finish our course, but now we know exactly where we're going. So it's it's it was a rough beginning, but at least you have an idea. At least you know for sure where you're going. So that takes away the anxiety of getting placed randomly somewhere in the world, right? Yeah. Either right. either that or you know. <laughs> you you have to go through your whole course knowing you're going to end up somewhere terrible. <laughs> I know. Oh God, I felt bad for those guys. <laughs> they were okay. I mean, everyone chose where they wanted to go. Everyone actually, I was the only, I was me and Dietz were the only ones who chose overseas. Everyone else got to work either from the West Coast, East Coast, closer to their home. So no one was totally miserable with their decision. So that was nice. 
Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. After that, five and a half years later, I get back home. I think I, I came home only a few years ago. It was January, 2021, 2023. It was right after, right after COVID hit aggressively. Mm-hmm. So I think it was 21 January. I, I had to come home and it was, it was really awkward because, you know, having to wear M95 masks and not even to spend, hug my mom when I get home immediately. Yeah. That is, that was rough. She could just wave. She was wearing a full gear and just waving at me from my room. And it was, it was a shame. After a couple of days we were safe, I was able to do it, but that was, that was a rough kind of welcome home. I, you know what? It's, it's really amazes me hearing how uh, the, the, the pandemic could affect everyone differently and just you expressing that coming home from the military after five years and not being able to immediately hug your your mom that is that was that was a little bit of uh, i was i was desperate for some kind of affection and everything and going back to with everyone being irresponsible during covid unfortunately making it worse and it was you 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 feel like you have that much less faith in humanity. Yeah, I'm, it's just shame. Uh, Again, I know it's, it's shame, awful shame, and I'm not trying to be a pessimist, but that was no. But I I'm I'm sorry you had to experience that because that's like that's something you know people highlight of like to coming home and being able to. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's really rough. No, no, it's yeah. That was very interesting. Kind of welcome back, and yeah, I spent my entire time six thousand miles away. Even though I was enjoying myself, it was a, a rough enough experience, uh, being that far away from home. And yeah, it, it, yeah, I, me being the shy, awkward prick that I was back then too, I didn't have as many friends in them. <laughs> I, 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 the way they described me was like some artsy douchebag guy that enjoyed Amsterdam more than anything else. Everyone else was kind of, <laughs> I, I did well at the meatheads. They're all great. Not that they're not going to be condescending and describing them as meatheads, but the kind who would shotgun beers with their thumbs. Those were the ones I managed to get along <laughs> with for the most part. Yeah. I not, it wasn't the box I fit in, unfortunately, but I, I got along well enough. So how was kind of touching back upon, yeah, um, you um deciding not to re-enlist. How what, what does that process look like for you in your position? So for me, I was uh, I think it's about three years into I was in a five year contract, and I think it's three years into it, halfway into my my time in Spain. They say, all right, so you have to decide whether or not you want to re-enlist or do you want to separate, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's very they they do what they can to make sure that re-enlisting seems like the most appealing option for you mm-hmm. uh then make sure you know all your resources and how it could help you and all that stuff they make getting out a lot scarier than it actually is for as a marketing employee unfortunately it's <laughs> what what do you what, what do you want to know honestly it's uh you three years into it, you decide and then you start your paperwork from there that's pretty much how it is and uh, yeah, 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 ask away I, honestly I, I mean just from just from like an outside perspective, like I don't even know how they approach you. Is it just purely paperwork, or do they like come up to you and they ask you? Sure. Or no, no, yeah, uh, you know when your contract uh, starts and ends. So halfway point, you set in stone. You have to decide, hey, or talk to your your uh, 
chain of command about what direction you want to go and what you are said and what you are for sure going to. You can change your mind. They're pretty flexible for the most part. Mm-hmm. They are, unless, like, unless you strictly uh, sign up the paper that says, Hey, I do not want to do X, Y, and Z, or Hey, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Here's my signature and my social. Then it becomes a, you know, then it becomes a lot more difficult to change that. But, you know, from there, they'll, they'll decide on what courses you need to take, whether it be like, I don't know, how to, uh, separation course, uh, what resources, whether it be like, you know, military one source, uh, what, you know, it's stuff, uh, it's, 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 I've only ever known the, the, the separation part. The, the re-enlisting part is actually a lot easier. It's so much easier <laughs> now that I'm, t- now that I'm reflecting, holy crap, all they had to do was, and the fact that they just have to raise their hand and say, Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll do it again. Why not sign my name here? Okay. Then maybe I think the boss gives you a day off if they want to. That's a lot. E- <laughs> that was a lot easier compared to what I did. I'm just now re- reflecting. Holy shit. Yeah. Do, do they, do they pitch you anything of like, Hey, if you decide to stay, like this is like what we're they offering do. you. They do. So something they offers, they could do re-enlistment uh, bonus. This is depending if you want to change your job or something like that. Or they'll make a, a re-enlisting more appealing with really great orders. So if you're in 29 Palms, the desert, Northern California, and you're surrounded by Marines and you've been taking care of them for God knows how long and you've been lacking the sleep for God knows how long and you've been building so much character and you barely recognize yourself in the mirror and you are this close to just being on your way out, but your CEO says, hey, if you decide to re-enlist for you know, another couple of years, you'll be getting these orders to Hawaii or to Spain or to Italy or to San Diego or what have you on your sea duty or on your shore duty, which is the the less active billet you could be on in the Navy. Okay. Then you know, that they try to sell you on that. They definitely try to sell you on that. Uh, they use fear and incentive to make sure that you you know, kind of lean in the decision of just re-enlisting. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like kind of how it starts as well. Of Like they kind of just like initial overwhelming of like, Hey, here's all these things that you could do, or you can, you know, go ahead and take off. Oh yeah. It's like, but you know, we kind of want to know oh, here's no, all your, here's all your incentives <laughs> to stay. Exactly. Now, depending on the workplace environment, they could be a lot kinder about it too. Like, why the fuck would you do this to your family? Why would you return as some kind of parasite? The way, oh my God, no, my master chief of the hospital, he said, I think it would be a disservice for us to send you back to your family and have you just be some kind of mooch. <laughs> really? But, yeah. And unfortunately, I, I had a loss in my family too. So, and he was aware of this. These, I guess I understand that he was trying to make sure I was at least hitting my, you know, landing on my feet and everything, but at the same time, you know, the lack of compassion you, you, you grow to, you know, understand the military. A lack of compassion you to come to understand. Wow. It's, it's a shame. It's, it's a language I speak almost fluently. It's one I'd hope to never use on anyone, but it's one I, uh, even if I have to put my foot down in front of someone, like it, it's only ever like in uh, to benefit someone else, never myself. If someone mm-hmm. disrespects someone, like I give a damn about to my face, I I find myself kind of digging from that well and just becoming a lot less sociable in a sense of just 
kindness and the lack mm. of my tone and the roughness and my my words have teeth. Yeah. That's intense. <laughs> That's intense to to have to yeah. learn that skill or end up learning that skill. You're being taught it inadvertently just because of your environment. It's and then you have that immediate regret because I like this. I was a shy kid. I was a very, very shy, socially mm-hmm. awkward schmuck. Who, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I, I have kind of a low voice and <laughs> I don't look like I have the tone that I do. Unfortunately, it hit mm-hmm. me when I was 14 years old and people, oh, wow. and I was a bad tooth, pudgy, Awkward little schmuck of a guy. <laughs> so I didn't have a lot of fun in my high school years. Everyone thought I was trying to impress someone. Oh, he's just trying to get pussy. Even if I got it, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Honestly, I'm just so I don't want to be involved. <laughs> I'm being serious. I, I wanted, I couldn't even look girls in the eyes. I didn't, I didn't get my first girl until I was like 18, 17. It was all, it was all weird. What were we talking about before? <laughs> no, but, that, but, that, but that's, that's something that, that's impacted you. That's very real, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's, I, I've always seen myself as the <clears> nice <throat> kid and I, like I preach nothing but compassion now, especially now because no, it's, it seems a lot easier than trying to stir anything out of anyone. Mm-hmm. And does that, does that come from your experience in, in the military or yeah. is it? Or I can it... honestly say that it, it comes from all, it, it comes from experience of just knowing that I, 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 unfortunately for me, I've had a rough time just existing in my time in the military and even coming back home. Uh-huh. And with that, I you know, I've become fluent in my own dialect of misery, which I, I really hate to be able to say that I understand it about myself. However, since I have that clear understanding, since I've been, I, I know what it's like to wallow, to be absolutely in despair. I have all the incentive in the world to make sure that anyone, even if I meet them for the first time, I have all the incentive in the world to make sure at least this person doesn't have any idea what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. And I think that's, I think a lot of people who struggle with any sort of mental illness or. Oh, yeah or anything can relate to that because it's a, it's, it's less than negative. Um, Mm. because it's so, it's just so destructive and you just know how bad it can get that you just understand that you would never want to put somebody through that. Oh no, no. It's, it's like, as long as you put your best kind foot forward, as long as it's uh, reciprocated, I I don't feel like it's a chance that it can be reciprocated. Oh my goodness, that's a hell of an investment. <laughs> you look yeah. at someone, yeah, you look at someone, you smile in the street, and they smile back at you with a hello. Oh my goodness, I won the lottery. Yeah, I I think a lot of people take that for granted, and I feel like now, especially after COVID and being isolated, people are kind of recognizing how important that is now because it's just something that was taken away from them no it, um, it, it really is and people are a lot more grateful these days but you also <laughs> people are a lot more aware of how shitty people can be too which is <laughs> a shame yeah and yeah i think that's something i always not wanted to highlight but just kind of focus more on the, uh 
positive and oh, definitely. Um, um, more compassionate side because I feel like that's just okay. there's more growth from that, you know. Oh, most certainly, most certainly. And yeah, you know, better you know, more flies with honey than vinegar, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, all the cliches, all the all the cliches, honestly. <laughs> but I, I <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. I, I totally agree with that that philosophy. So, going in to mm-hmm. to the military, were you going in with with those feelings already, or were you just like, was it something? I I was always I was always kind of a sad kid. I I, I had been just <clears throat> not exactly the most chipper, you know, forthcoming, sociable, and I guess I wasn't chewed up. I was molding a. a it's kind of hard to describe, honestly. I, I, I built character. That's the only way you could really connect. They, they saw what potential I had and polished what parts they could. And from there, I was on my own. It, I, I wish I, I hope that makes sense. Is it, was there something that you think it stems from or was it just? Well, for me, my, my, guess my sadness is, as loving of a relationship as I do have my family and everything, my parents stayed. And as, as much as I, I care for them, there have been many moments where they just weren't exactly the most compassionate. Yeah. Weren't exactly the most supportive. Yeah. I was raised by two old school Hispanic parents, two <laughs> boomer Hispanic. My mom had me when she was 43. I, oh, she was wow. on, she was done and so was I. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You came it out was... with the same energy she put out. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. We were at the tail ends. If <laughs> I think we we're both consistent, that's great. But because of those old school personalities, it was always just not as, what's the word? No, less of a compassionate tone and more of you have to get your stuff together so that you don't suffer. And my mom was always preaching. She was, this cliche immigrant from Peru, uh, found her way to the country, to Texas, met a pastor, and he helped her get to California to, you know, cause she knew some family members in Los Angeles mm-hmm. who could help her get job, get some work and, you know, get started. And she's had such a, like, she's old, old school. She's had to go hiking for the river to do laundry, all that stuff. Oh man. Yeah. My dad. <laughs> So she and plus God fearing, always preaching, yada yada yada. My dad, cliche New York Puerto Rican, Catholic raised, but also <laughs> resented the religion itself. So he converted to Buddhism in 1973 out of spite. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. He was raised. So he went to Catholic school, and he remembers this one time he decided that he would never subscribe and commit himself to religion. Cause one of his, uh, one of his classmates had made one smart ass comment at a nun in class. She picked him up from his chair, dragged him to the front and just started stomping on him. Oh shit. In front of the entire class. You got this angry penguin destroying this child and it was just, <laughs> hey, well for one, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's also traumatizing to him. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That was the rough. He grew up in New York when taxi driver was the reality. Oh, that was, man. Yeah, he grew up in New York in the 60s, and it got so bad that he said he left because he thought he was going to kill someone. 
he for Jeez. sure he for sure thought it was such a rough environment that he thought he was gonna be in a position where he would be so mad or be wrong in some way that he would actively hurt someone in a way that he would not be able to take back. Man. So yeah, that's so I actually I got stuck in New York randomly uh on my way back home just visiting. Got you know <laughs> American Airlines most reliable thing had me <clears throat> stuck in Brooklyn and Manhattan and Queens for like three days because mm-hmm. of engine trouble. Oh, I man. walked away. Yeah. Was, but I got to stay in New York city and got some nice hotels for a couple of days and got to experience my, my dad's hometown, which is very <laughs> interesting. So I, if not exactly his upbringing, his environment, but <laughs> yeah. at least a, a window into what he might've you know, been surrounded by. Yeah. And yeah. when I told him how, much I, I'm a city boy. I am. I'm very much you know, loving the public transport, the concrete, and the smell of piss by bus stations. That is nostalgic <laughs> for me. Um, I told him how I actually I would love to live here or go to school here. He he paused on the phone for a couple seconds, and he called that just a morbid curiosity. Wow, that was such, he had such a bad time living in his hometown oh, wow. that. He called, he has no idea what it looks like now. Obviously, he hasn't even visited. That was going to be my next question if he's gone back. <laughs> no, no, he, he never went back. He moved to Philly, uh, I think, uh, towards the end of his high school years and everything. And at the, his parents separated. So grandpa went, joined Navy, went West Coast. Mom stuck the East Coast and moved to Philadelphia. So mm. that separated him. And I guess that kind of put him on a better path too, because God knows if he'd stayed there, he would have been not very happy. Yeah. And so all of this, true. all of this just coming together and this Making is, me. yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not going to say this is a quality product, but I'll tell you right now, it is what is talking to you right now. Yeah. No, absolutely. But I, I like that because I feel like especially with younger generations is like, we're trying to uh, separate ourselves so much from past generations, but it's, we're just an accumulation of all of their experiences too. We are. And it, it's a shame that you feel the need to randomly apologize on behalf of someone, even when they're not around anymore. Unfortunately yeah. for me. Yeah. My dad, unfortunately for him, there's a random topic. My dad passed away a couple of years ago, actually, when I was still in the military, when I was overseas. Okay. And the way I learned about that knowledge, it was, it was, it was very, it was really rough. I had already planned for, you know, overseas, 6,000 miles away, you have to plan ahead to put, you know, put it in your leave and everything, get it all approved and make sure there's no issues with getting home whatsoever. So I plan about a year ahead just and buy the ticket and everything. Uh, we're talking nonstop about how excited we are to see each other. And <laughs> I wouldn't come home super often, but whenever I did, I remember one of the first times I came home. <laughs> it was the first time I, I think I, he'd almost cried just seeing me. And that was, that was warming. I could hear in his voice and we're just saying hello over and over again. So having another reunion, you know, while overseas giving more stories was even more exciting. Yeah. Unfortunately, the day before I was uh, supposed to fly out, I got word that he had a heart attack and and that he had 
had issues earlier that week, uh-huh. but told my fa- my mom not to tell us out of just because he didn't want us to worry. Mm. What made that worse was my sister was in Japan that week too, just on a random trip. We were yeah, we were, we knew she was going to go go out for a bit, and we were so excited for her. She was also in another country when it had happened, and our mom was by herself. Yes. And we, we were just absolutely shattered by our, our decisions of not being closer than we maybe should have been. Yeah. That's, that's always hard. It's just like not being there when something like that happens. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry for your loss in that, in that way. Nah, it's, it's part of it. it it's all a part of it. Yeah. And were you, when something like that happens, um, were you able to at least attend the, oh, yeah, no. the, the funeral and everything? We thank God for his community because for he, him having been practicing Buddhism since 19, the 70s, he had great friends who planned the entire memorial service in a couple weeks. Wow. Everything was, everything was done very quickly they were so quick to gather so many resources at the community center and get people and everything we barely had to do anything on the only thing we ever had to worry about was just the the cremation Mm. so it was i was we were very fortunate to have people in our community that were so enthusiastic about him in particular because he was a goddamn character and a half yeah it sounds like it and just just from what you've expressed like Oh my god. <laughs> I'd love no. to know more. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? This guy was an immigration officer for about 20 years. That's not how he met my mom. Keep that in mind. All right. <laughs> Before you ask any questions, that is not, yeah, obviously. Funnily enough, they actually met through, it was during his first marriage. He was already on the way. They were already having issues. He was actually already in the process of getting divorced. He had met her, my mom through my dear Aldi, who was a mutual friend of ours. Mm. Uh, my Aldi was, uh, someone who would help other immigrants in the process of the paperwork, getting green cards and everything. And my mom knew my Thea because they had family in the same village, actually. So she was one of the resources. She's one of the contacts in California that, uh, that she was kind of sent to go find in Los Angeles. So oh, okay. I think it was, yeah, randomly, I think randomly they were at a, a party or dinner or something and they just kind of, struck up conversation and <laughs> were smitten with each other. A couple of years later, my sister popped out. A couple of years later, I popped out and <laughs> here we are now. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. How is, uh, how is it? How, how, how was Go. it? It How I'm trying to like articulate it. Yeah. No, you're how, fine. Yeah. how was it being in mourning and then having to return to active duty? It was, I mean, uh, it all motivated me to get the hell out. That also, also set in stone. Not only did I not be close to home, not only am I not in the field that I want to be in, that was, I was inspired by my dad. I, I have all the reason in the world to finish my contract and get the hell out. And you just wanted to be closer to your family. Exactly. I was this, I was desperate to want to just at least be somewhat accessible. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I did exactly that. 
I, I told him point blank that I have no intention of investing any more in my life into this. And I would like to separate and get in the process of that as soon as I can. And they were all very understandable. Except for the random moments where they were not very compassionate, but hey, that's just them <laughs> trying to, that's them trying to sell product, which I understand. They're very, they're very persuasive. Well, not really. I kind of just rolled my eyes whenever they decided to convince me. Yeah. When, but um, it was, it was very, it was very interesting. Again, interesting kind of environment going from morning to like, all right, who's, who needs to get swapped for a test now? When you, when you returned home, did you, <laughs> Did you like keep that responsibility? <laughs> <laughs> no, you were, I was always, oh my God. I want, well, for one, I was, I, actually, funnily enough, my sister still asked me for like dental advice. He'll ask you for dental advice. That's like it, as far as it'll go. I mean, oh my God. I, so no one's, no one's willing to drop their pants from me or anything like that. Like, oh, okay, what is this mold like <laughs> to you? No, no, so. I, I'm experienced enough where I could tell you whether or not you need, should go, you know, get something crowned, what have you. Is there an issue? How big of a chip is it? What have you? I have Chicago experience. I'm not a doctor, obviously, but I would say I'm, I'm like a, <laughs> I could tell you just by looking at your teeth whether or not you need braces for, for actual anatomical reasons or for aesthetic reasons. Mm, gotcha. I could, I could tell for, if someone's got veneers on just by looking at them. I could, oh my <laughs> goodness. I could, it's, it's so, I mean, I've got that in my back of my head. I'm constantly looking at people's teeth whenever I'm out conversing with them. And <laughs> it's kind of, it's ironic because I had bad teeth when I was a kid too. I had really bad crooked and, you know, off-colored teeth. So when I, well, I remember when I first came, in the first couple of weeks I got in there, the doctor literally sat me, the orthodontist sat me in his chair and told me how fucked up I was. <laughs> Which again, hey, love, Dr. Donovan, love my death. Great guy. He or he's an absolute sweetheart, and the fact that we can openly say that is because we bes- co-workers really, even uh, though he's my and he's my superior too. So we we had this good, healthy, you know, working relationship, that camaraderie. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> you can only be that blunt with somebody that. You oh my god! <laughs> oh, most definitely, most definitely. I kind of looked at him and said, "Okay, doc. Okay, sir, commander. How? No worries, of course." Yeah. So they, yeah, so then I literally had jaw surgery to kind of fix my crossbite and everything. And yeah, was, it's, it's amazing to now be extra focused on this, even though I haven't even touched a pair of teeth in God knows how many years. And so you obviously didn't go that route once you, once you exited. Um, no, 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 no. Actually, uh, I, I originally planned on just kind of working towards broadcasting journalism. Uh, through community college and means, but oh, okay. I, it, 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 it's, it's, this is one thing that's gotten interesting. Uh, I've, I've had a rough, not rough comeback, but I've wanted to just focus on working. So, mm-hmm. you know, after being away for so long, I wanted to just kind of figure out what, how to <clears throat> reestablish myself as a part of my community. Yeah. And re, how to re, just reintroduce myself to this city I've been away from for so long, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's weird. It's odd how you find yourself wanting to get away, but then once okay. you're gone, you just you know you kind of want something familiar. Exactly. Just oh, it's 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 interesting. Just wanting to adjust and fit right back into where you've been away for so long, where you thought you need breathing room from, really. 
And so you, you had mentioned that, um, your initial interest when you, when you wanted to join was something along broadcast or journalism, correct? That's true. <laughs> and, and so you find yourself kind of <laughs> wanting to fulfill that, that initial interest. Still to some extent. And I'm, I've been doing small steps to, in the right direction. It's been a couple of years, but even with my focus of, you know, labor right now, I, I bar, t- I bar back and I serve at a, a actually a bar that's like a seven minute walk from my front door. Funnily enough, that's right <laughs> next to my high school I graduated from. I get to see who, <laughs> I can see all my, uh, my classmates who've peaked. <laughs> it's very interesting when they walk in. Cause they look at me, they don't rec, they barely recognize me. They have to do a double take. I look at them and they just kind of lean to the table, the very awkward silence. <laughs> it's so, just yeah. like, just the unspoken recognition of just oh, like, oh yeah, hmm. you have okay. no idea. Oh, well, look at that. Hmm. I, I did pretty okay for myself, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's me silently bragging just a little bit, just a little bit because I am. I, I feel I'm so much cooler than I've ever been. You have no idea. <laughs> I, I think back to myself when I was a kid and how awkward I was and, you know, the crap I would sometimes say and how I would go about interacting with people. And I think back to now, like, I'm, it's, it's, it's weird to go kind of, it's, it, <laughs> see yourself as the cool kid now, especially. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even it's shitting true. you. I, I'm literally the guy that people try to get the attention of at the bar because they want to be friends with and buddies with because of just either drink hookups or what have you. And I just have to roll my eyes and walk away, which is not some position I would ever think I would ever be in. But hey, here we are. This is what growth looks like, I guess. <laughs> right? That's good, no. though, that, that you can at least uh, yeah. rec- recognize that and, you know, give yourself yeah. that credit, too. So in, in, in the process of trying to maybe find what I want to satisfy, you know, what I want to do with my self career wise and labor wise and see what I would actually make me happy. I started writing more often. I started <laughs> doing random poetry stuff, random poetry, open mics and all that stuff. And I, I, nice. my, it's, it was great. No, no, it's absolutely wonderful. I, I've been super enthusiastic. It's because of how supportive the entire environment is. And I've become a lot more comfortable with saying, Hey, I'd like to seek a career out in stand up comedy, which is. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh my God. I, I still, I still wince when I say that out loud because I, I felt like embarrassed at the prospect of someone just immediately just rolling their eyes or what have you just the immediate, the immediate criticism i just brace myself for shock yeah yeah it's i i have the i'm akin to the same thing um because i i like to write and, and do poetry exactly. as well but i don't ever want to call myself a writer or a poet you feel you feel you you you're just like oh, it's something i do it's something i like it's you know i you you yeah. feel like there should be that immediate, with the association of the word, you want to have the immediate uh, evidence as to why you're associated, right? Yeah. And I, yeah, for me, it's more of just like self-fulfillment. Like I just enjoy doing it. it and I don't yeah. want that. I don't want the title. It feels gross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 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 I, I, you just want to be able to do and get your own satisfaction out of it. You don't, you don't need the, any kind of award. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. So I, I understand what you mean. I'm glad you you, you empathize. Holy shit! 
And that's something I'm actively seeking out. I've been doing open mics and random crap and I've gotten a couple of chuckles and been writing and have actively been gotten. I told my mom I had a heart to heart with her on Mother's Day. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I told her and she said she was so supportive. I damn near cried. I really did. She was absolutely just so supportive and telling me because I, I think we, I, funnily enough, I watched Chris Rock's new special with her. She uh-huh. understood a goddamn thing he was saying. <laughs> and not a single word. I, it got to the bit where he's talking about abortion and killing babies. Uh-huh. And she's knitting, just kind of looking up at the TV periodically. <laughs> the guy and just want, she, I want you to know that I'm still paying attention. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. No, she's still, she's being very polite. And at one point, halfway into it, he says about how that first report card will decide whether or not he's going to be uh, <laughs> accepted into the family. And she says, Ay, mira él. Él está bien famoso. Yo conozco él. <laughs> and she's nodding her head. She's looking up. Mm, Georgie. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I see. I, I know this guy. Yeah. He's famous. I don't know what he's saying, but apparently he's just, he's recognizable. Yeah. All that stuff. Oh my goodness. That's and awesome so though. Yeah, no, I, I actually have my family supportive of me and understand that it's not exactly a uh, traditional kind of career path. They're not, they understand they're going to be nothing but speed bumps and everything, but because I have that relentless support from not only my family, but friends and everyone, it's just, I've never felt so comfortable in my own skin. Oh, man. It's insane. I feel bulletproof at this point. Oh, that's beautiful. I know. <laughs> Honestly. No. Again, I got a pretty girlfriend. I make smart-ass comments that make people chuckle at the bar, and I work at part-time at the bookstore. I used to... I've been going to since I was 14 years old. Oh, wow. And it's always been there for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that bookstore... Funnily enough, uh, Book Alley in Pasadena. Great place. I've been going there since I was a kid. That place kept me out of trouble. One of our, one of our routine weekend things when I was younger was my dad and I would start the recycling, separate it up the day before, get up at the crack of dawn, and just listen to 88.1 with Chuck Cecil, the swinging ears on K-Jazz. And that would, <laughs> the entire time, that would be our set. I would be so excited for Saturdays for that. Because <laughs> afterwards, after we get there recycling, we just go over to Andy's, which is right next to Book Alley. It's the diner that's right next to it. Have breakfast and then spend them, just spend more time browsing the store. Oh, and that man. was, that was my routine on a regular basis. And I was, I was nothing but happy. It's just like, just something so small, you know, people kind oh. of just brush past, but. It's those things that really like make up all the moments in our lives. Oh no, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a proud moment of mine. It's, it's something I can reflect on very fondly and smile no matter what. Yeah. And then, and so you're, you're acting. So are you going to, are you pursuing, uh, journalism I'm doing, through, through college next, right now? I, I'm actually not going to school at all about that. I'm, this is really stupid. So I'm investing all the energy and efforts I have towards the creative path. 
Uh, I still have my, my GI bill and everything. I still have my mm-hmm. resources. I still, I still have money saved up just to keep myself safe because I'm a rational person. <laughs> Obviously. Don't worry. I'm not, no one's running an empty over here. Trust me. I'm nothing but a level-headed guy. Uh, but well, I'm you're, actively. You're pursuing your, your creative endeavors right now. That's the priority. And I'm, I'm a lot happier that way right now. Absolutely. I mean, I think most people want to be in the same position, you know, they want to be doing something fulfilling. And so you know I mean? to hear that you're actually, you're actually on that path is, you know, really um, heart, really heartwarming and encouraging. <laughs> I'm nothing, I'm nothing but happy right now. And I haven't, hopefully I'm, I'm always glad to be encouraged any other person, but even what's it called at the bookstore? We have plenty of, we have absolute sweethearts who are my coworkers at the bookstore. They are nothing but enthusiastic creatives who have are drunk with ambition and it motivates <laughs> me just as much. That's awesome. That's oh, no, awesome to hear. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ. I think, uh, my, my friend B, absolutely sweetheart. She's had a show in New York that she helped produce, helped, helped write the lyrics for. Oh wow. Yeah. No, she's leaving, uh, this week to go have it perform, uh, yeah, help go help with the performance and everything. And it's, we're really, we're actually having like a going away dinner tonight for her. Oh, that's fantastic. Shout yeah. out to them. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I wish them all the success. Oh, definitely. Oh, she's, I mean, that's, it's, her success is, is inevitable if you knew her. Oh, that's awesome. No. So where, where do you, where do you find yourself now? Now that you're pursuing your, your creative endeavors, um, where well, do you find, you know, your life taking you now? Right now I'm, I see myself as the, an established part of my local bar and community and Basically, my 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 purpose at this moment is to sling drinks, smart ass comments, and book recommendations, <laughs> and I'm able to sustain myself off of just that. I'm happy with just that. If I'm being honest, there's there's a certain amount of comfort and just knowing that I have enough in this moment, and if I do add to my current plate through whatever means, then I'll just be that much more comfortable. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. Where do you, um, where do you, where do you see yourself going from here? Do you feel, do you find yourself just kind of staying content or just pursuing your, your, you know, I'm not going to, oh, I, I, I find myself going in whatever direction that's going to lead me to doing what I love consistently. Right. So, right. yeah. So where I, it's, I cliche to say where the wind goes. Now, whatever, uh, whatever, you know, series of coincidences lead me, I will, and that lead me to be, you know, consistently having a good time, then I'll be heading down that path for the most part. Do you, do you feel comfortable, um, kind of bouncing around from here on out or, or like wherever, because, you know, happenstance, wherever things lead you, or do you feel like you want to be cemented in your, your community still or? That's a very interesting question. That is very fascinating because do I want to stick? I want to be able to still have a, a a hand in my community in the sense of just being able to support them. Whatever success I bring to myself, I'd like to have them reap the fruits of that, you know, that labor too. Hmm. That's so awesome. I don't want to be a person that's all of a sudden goes and finds something and doesn't even bother calling home again. In fact, I rather I would very much like to keep my foot in the door the entire time I go for a walk. Oh, that's a, that's <laughs> that's a really that's a really wonderful saying. 
especially especially that you know, your foot's home. Yeah, and so you said that your your mom is completely supportive, and your, your family and friends. Yeah, no, everyone is so very enthusiastic about it. And whenever they, when I do say it, they just say, okay, well, I, I, you got me to chuckle a couple of times. I think go, go see what you got. <laughs> if I think they, they, they say go for it, go for have, it, be happy and just make sure you have your own best interest. Where have, uh, where have, uh, you been able to go and test your skills at? Uh, mostly just poetic open mics. Uh, actually, there's a raffle. I went to Chatterbox Comedy Night, and there's a just a random raffle, so I didn't get to go on at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if anything, I'm doing more writing than anything else, and sometimes being an audience member more than often than not, but I've done more poetry readings and you know, a couple of random open mics. Uh, there's one time I did Palms Up Academy, where I did a little reading of a little spiel I wrote, which is mm. fun. And how, oh, oh, I was just gonna ask, how is it now? Do you feel like the the military prepared you to have, be, have that like in you, like that ability to like take shit? Go, to, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's that's true. Uh, um, yeah, because it's you have to really bear your soul to an audience in order to do that and take take criticism yeah no because of how much i know i'm how critical i know of myself whatever anyone else's reaction to me is not going to be any any worse than i've ever said about myself i've done there have been random poetry nights where i've done poorly i've stuttered i've done i don't get embarrassed i don't get ashamed i just know i get motivated because i know i could do better than i did back then in that mm. moment. So it's never, it's never just like, Oh, I want to just disappear. It's okay. How do I polish that? Cause what, how do I avoid that fuck up from ever happening again? Or what is that entire thing that needs to get scrapped? It's, it's a lot more reflection and what needs to be moved in what direction in, in order for, you know, for placement. Yeah. And you're so, able to, you're able to go out and try it again. The- you made it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Excuse me. Yeah, because I think that's a, a big hindrance on a lot of people that prevents them from, you know, going going through with it. It's, they try it out and they're like, nope. I- nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, they hated me. They hated me. I should hate myself. Why am I existing? No. Just having that feeling. Oh, God. And you, st- and you still hear about, like, stories from professionals. Like, oh, I've had this bombing where I felt like I needed a shower afterwards. <laughs> I, I was so bad that, that I told them to keep the money. No, I'm kidding. I took the money. I walked the fuck off. <laughs> no, these guys. No. Oh my god. And it's great. I, there's so many books I've read about this. I think I was reading. Was it Judd Apatow? Is sick in the head. I. It's it it a shame. I had that whole. I had a copy that was dog-eared and highlighted with so many notes, and someone stole that from me. The bastard. <laughs> Wow. Was, yeah, it was actually, someone stole my, my satchel from, uh, the bar. He's not gonna get any fucking use out of it, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but there was one part where he's talking about how part, 10 minutes of being criticized or trying to make, get a laugh and get a reaction. And then the rest of the night just being surrounded by great people. Mm-hmm. Surrounded yeah. by just the more, some of the best social partners you could probably have. 
So you've got, it's, it's, you're taking the better sweet. You, you'll get your bomb, but then at the same time, you'll be having a nice exchange with some to the side and it bounces out. Yeah. Yeah. Where do, mm-hmm. did this, did this come naturally to you? Like wanting to do stand up? Um, is it something like, have you found yourself to be just like a naturally good storyteller or? Sure. I, I always, I, I like to think I proud, I kind of pride myself in, in my being somewhat well-spoken. Because my dad, I remember one time, I, I started sounding like a cliche little East Los Hispanic guy one time in middle school. My dad just looked at me, gave me a look, a stern look, a very, very, very identifiable look. And I stopped right then and there. <laughs> From there, I, I clung to him. I had no other friends, and I, I just started kind of emulating how he spoke. And that, well, for one, the question is, like, you know, why grab makes you attract me to this thing? I, I found myself kind of heading that direction in the sense of just whenever I was having a back and forth, I got the most satisfaction out of just making sure that I had a clear sign of them having a good time. And I guess it's kind of hard to put it. It seems appropriate for me. To, and I wish I could answer that properly. I, I just, it's, it just makes sense for me for the most part. Yeah. I, I feel like it kind of touches back on, on not wanting people to feel that distress that, that you've felt. Way to, way to have it make sense for me. I appreciate you. <laughs> but it also, it, and it also sounds like there's a lot of, a lot of your dad in, in how you want to like kind of put onto yourself and, you know, bring, bring into, into how you, um, how to, how you express yourself because it, it, you know, I can tell already from hearing the stories about your dad that you're very close to him. Oh no. He, oh, he's good people with his issues, of course, but he was definitely the kind of guy who helped me do, be the kind of personality that I am today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can feel that. And you know, weird to say, but it's like, I miss him Oops. just from, from hearing the stories. <laughs> Just from hearing you talk oh, about it, like, oh, man, like, like, I miss Oh, sweet. <laughs> no, that's all right. I appreciate that sentiment. That's very sweet of you. Yeah, no, it, I, I, I like hearing people talk about um, the people that mean the most to them. And, oh, you know. oh, whatever you do. I'm the exact same way in the sense, like, I remember whenever you, you ever see, you ever know you heard a story from someone, but then you see that light in their eye and you should just let them fall through either way? Yeah, yeah. That was exact same time. That was exact same thing with me and him. He would see me the exact same stories. He would ask me point blank, "Have I told you this before?" I said, "I don't remember all the details." It seemed kind of funny. Do you mind reminding me, refreshing me a little bit? <laughs> you, want, you mind just you know stoke that fire for me just a little bit? Yeah, could I'd be grateful. Yeah, you just you see how and much they, joy it brings them. So you just and they lose just, themselves. It's so great for it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, it's, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's paying it forward. Yeah. Conversationally. Yeah. No, I, I feel that it's, it's interesting how like just our past, our past generation, how it's like, cause it's something that I had to deal with, um, also yeah. with, with my family, um, of kind of just holding this like tension of just, wanting to be recognized and heard or like, but then also, you know, recognizing like their struggles and what they've been through and just kind of 
you know, being stuck. Um, but ultimately, you know, um, personally, I've made my peace with it. And so I feel comfortable. I totally, I totally understand that. For the longest time, you no, know, from, from my family, they don't put you in this box where they're, you'll be guaranteed success so that you, they will know that you won't be suffering. But that's, that's kind of a hindrance in a way, you know, even though you're setting up for success, you're going to have them neglect themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the last thing you want. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of people in our generation, especially with like immigrant, uh, parent backgrounds, they, they're dealing with that. And it's, yeah. it's a struggle to heal from, from that. And you have to have that much more patience with them, which is great. Hopefully it leads to fewer instances, instances of conflict. But, you know, that, that disagreement is always going to be inevitable, but especially with immigrant generations. Yeah. How did, um, how did you find yourself kind of healing from that? Well, through, well, people, well, for people just empathizing with me. There's people who understood that they, they understood that some people will never understand. And that you having tried to be conditioned to see the world or have their values in such an aggressive way, just knowing that there have been so many other people who have had to struggle and cope with not fitting well with their family because of just them forcing this box over them. Hearing that story from Reynolds has helped me so many in so many different ways. Just knowing that I'm not alone in, in the struggle of just trying to be understood in my own my own home. Yeah. No, absolutely. I yeah, I I completely agree. You know, the last thing I want to do is just be thought less of because you're being sincere. Yeah, right. And I think we need more of that. I think we just and I think it's hard for people to kind of uh uh, not reciprocate, but kind of detect sincerity. Oh, I feel yeah. like things, things are just so hard, you know, yeah. to, to, to see if it's authentic or not. It's true. For me, I, I hope, I swear to God, I am always, I'm so transparent and just let, asking people, let me know if I come up as condescending or sarcastic or what have you, because I will immediately apologize sincerely because I don't want you to ever feel bad in any way ever through this conversation. <laughs> I constantly, I'm constantly apologize. My motto is when in doubt, apologize. Because <laughs> uh, not only, sure. of course, no, not only, I was emotional. I was like a doormat to my last girlfriend too. So I, I'm a pro. I am pretty great at it. I know how to make you feel good. I know how to, I, I know how to totally just be sincere and trying to see someone's grievance with me. I am so quick to be, what was it? Sympathetic to someone's perspective, uh, you know, whether it be critical or what have you. Yeah. Who do you, who do you, um, which, uh, comics do you kind Ooh. of look up to right now? Oh, Sam Morell is my all time favorite. Sam Morell is someone, his, his delivery, his, his entire energy on stage too seems so very nonchalant. Mark Norman is the quippy, just puppy that won't say the most controversial things. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Carlin. I've been, I even read his new, I'm starting to read his new memoir and everything that came out this year, look, outside looking in, which is giving me such, so much more perspective into him. It is so amazing to see that he was, he was living hand to mouth in the sixties with his daughter and his wife, but they were just so supportive because 
the last thing I would ever think to do is to ask him to stop. Mm. So you, do you have that? And yeah, oh my God, they, they really loved him, which is not surprising. (laughs) (laughs) He was really enthusiastic and he found it. Uh, that, well, I, I really respect that he was so persistent and determined and stubborn in that regard. Uh, but I'm trying to think who else will tell my head. Uh, you put me on the spot. Ron White. I, funnily enough, one of the first specials I watched, I was like eight years old when I watched Ron White's special. When I watched like Blue Collar <laughs> Comedy Tour. Oh, I wow. grew up, yeah, no, f- was, I don't know if this conditioned me to even think it was an option, but we would watch Comedy Central Presents when I was five years old. <laughs> on, when I was, and my sister was seven. And we would just put it on randomly, just like, oh, let's see who's on, what have you. Bob Saget was on one night. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he was swearing. We were, I was like seven or she was nine. Or, he was swearing so much, saying fuck as a comma, saying the most inappropriate things that I literally walked up to the TV. I turned it off. I looked at my sister. She looked at me. We both nodded our heads and said too much. Too much. <laughs> okay, it was, it, we, he was, it was, it was intense. She doesn't remember this, but I remember, like, I, we would watch it religiously. We would go on, cause, so even though we didn't get a good amount of jokes, a lot of it, or adult humor, but some of them would click with us, you know? Yeah. We, but we also grew up, uh, you know, on, on you know, Gabriel Iglesias, Luffy, watching sketch shows, Mad TV, mm-hmm. uh, all these, all these old school stuff. Bobby Lee, back, you know, back when he was, on drugs, unfortunately, but he, he's still funny now. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, God, you are putting me on the spot. It, it, it sounds like you've had like a fascination since you were a kid. It's weird because I, my dad, I don't know why we would watch it randomly on the kid. It's, it's phenomenal to me. My sister was always confused with the fact that we would, it's one of the few channels that was on that we, you know, that we could click on consistently and be laughing. So. But yeah, Jan, even watching Daniel Tosh is stuff when I was yeah. a kid too. I'm trying, yeah, you know, we, we weren't like a stand-up comedy obsessed family, but my dad would actually buy DVDs and bring them to little social gatherings with my uncles and watch Gabriel Iglesias, George Lopez, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I remember being a kid and my first exposure was like the, like Kings and Queens of Comedy. That DVD oh, yeah. was, was thrashed by the time we were done with it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, you, they put on all the classics, all the, all the classic jokes to get you to chuckle and you're just, you start doing the exact same thing at school. <laughs> oh my God. Why you cry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's, it's just random quotes and you feel like you're one of the cool kids. Absolutely. That's a, uh, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> I feel like it's, everybody has a little bit of, of that in them, but it's like, you know, you just want to spread that, that funny, oh yeah. you know? Oh yeah. Now you think like, Oh, it's, it's amazing. This is the joy that's associated with it, but also the controversy that's always associated with it too. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I know that's just evident to me that like people always feel better, you know, spreading that joy or spreading that, that laugh, you know, there's something just so enjoyable about being able to, to do that for somebody. Oh, and, uh, if you could get some, oh, just knowing that you could get some of the chuckle or make their day a little less worse off of one comment. Oh, just knowing I could do that to, if it, even if just amongst my friends, it's, I'm glad it could be that kind of supportive character. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because if worst case scenario, they're having the worst possible day. You wanna you wanna pull all the stops and try to help them out. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, that's something I find myself doing too. It's just like the moment I hear someone's just like not having it, mm. it's like not even a conscious decision. It's just like I gotta say something funny to make him. Oh laugh. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh fuck. Jesus. It's that's, always nice. It's nice that's the the kind of the default, really, between two of us at least. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. But uh, yeah, if you had something to tell yourself growing up, what would it be? And do you do you think that you would be receptive to hearing it at that that age? If I had something to tell myself. At a young age, I know uh, it's, a, it's always a hard. Yeah, that's, that's a hard. Obviously, I'm. It's. <laughs> or maybe like, what do you think you oh. needed to hear growing up? Oh my goodness! Don't hate yourself. Mm. Don't hate yourself. You don't deserve it. There's no reason why you should think less of yourself just for breathing. Yeah. Don't, don't let your reflex to being a thought in your mind be critical. Compassion is key. And as generous as you are with other people with it, you should kind of send that your own way. That's beautiful, man. I appreciate you for, for sharing your, a little bit of yourself with us today. No, of um, course. Thanks for letting me, thanks for allowing me the opportunity. Sorry about technical difficulties in the beginning, but I'm glad we worked our way through it and had a nice little interaction. Oh no, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, do you have anything you want to just like pitch out to people that you're doing or if someone can actually was... do poetry? <laughs> no, nothing's right now. How about this? Listen, we're having a sale at the bookstore at Book Alley and uh, 1252 East Colorado Boulevard, 20% off the entire store except for new books. We would love for everyone to stop by, buy a book or something or just come by and support Book Alley at all because God knows that any struggling small business can use whatever life preserver that is money right <laughs> yeah i won't absolutely. even i won't even save the bar well i work at limerick's in alhambra so stop by if you want to just interact with me there <laughs> and that's about it really man mm-hmm. i have i don't have like personal projects i'm just writing and doing things as they come so i don't i'm not i'm not an established creative how dare you <laughs> how dare you put that pressure on me well, if, no. whatever, you know, re- feel free to reach out if there's any Aww. way we can re- support or, you know, Thanks, have man. a show or something, you know, definitely connect people your way. I'm glad I saw your poster. I'm glad we had this interaction as the workout. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I hope you have a, a wonderful day. Have a nice night. I can't thank George enough for coming on and sharing his story with us. And we're wishing him the best on all his pursuits in becoming a comedian. We'll also leave ways to connect to your local bookstore if you live in the Pasadena area. I hope you enjoy yourself today. And until next time, take a deep breath in, a slow breath out, and tell yourself, you are here. Much love.
You Are Here is brought to you by That Most Excellent Network. Stay updated on future podcasts and other various releases through our social media. Your love and support ensures our ability to bring bigger and better quality content your way. For more information about being a guest, you can contact us at youareherepodtalk at gmail.com. Again, that's youareherepodtalk at gmail.com. We'd love to share the ability to hold space and tell your story. Stay excellent.